bad news for you, Kenny. You've got to go back into the office. Do I? It's it's right there on Hacker News. Three days a week, starting in September. Well, Did you see this? Uh, oh, I you got this email. Well, that is uh, looks like an interesting article, but also looks like a uh, leaked article of uh, Apple News, which means I uh, probably can't comment on it. I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> that was a little too British. I think that's a Frank Underwood line, right? Okay. Uh, but the original line is British, so actually you did it correctly. Right. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I'm going to chalk that up as a win. <laughs> okay, so uh, that's a no comment from you. That's a no this comment is, from uh, me. This is, this is, you really need to, you know, yes and me better here. This is just bad podcasting. Shutting down stories, you know, right out of the gate. Refusing well, I, to engage. What is this? I guess I guess you're allowed to comment uh, as much as you want. You know, it's a free country. Well, it seems uh, seems fine. I guess. I guess I think we had a bit of a mistake yesterday. We were talking about Facebook's remote work policy, which I thought was a little more stri- uh, stricter than it actually is. I think Mark Zuckerberg has said that remote work is the future, uh, and that Facebook employees can all work from home forever so long as they get their manager's approval. So. I guess the the potential gotcha there is the so long as you get your manager's approval, it's possible that this uh, in is kind of like in practice, not many people will be working from home if there's kind of social pressure to actually be in the office. Um, right. Though so Twitter. He, okay. Uh, yeah. T- Twitter's fuller, but but Facebook had some line that was like they hoped to reach some percentage of their audience, uh, some percentage of their employees being fully remote. I feel like I mentioned this yesterday, and I still don't have the stat on me, which is that is bad podcasting. Even the follow up has no no detail. <laughs> Speaking of follow ups, uh, this was not on Hacker News, but uh, the FBI announced what the name of the cyber criminal group is that uh, did the attack on JBS, which is the meat processing company. Okay, it's called. I it's either R Evil or just Revil. It's hard to say. The R okay. and the E are both capitalized. Interesting. Uh, also known as Sodino Kibi. And uh, it's also the same organization that did the uh, the Apple hack. Would you like to comment? <laughs> Probably can't comment on that either. Okay. Well, well, thanks a lot, Kenny. But I didn't, I somehow missed this Apple hack. I think you were, I think, uh, I, I don't know what, I don't know why we didn't cover this. Yeah, but, we might uh, have been offline that day. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but yeah, they like, uh, I guess, managed to uh, acquire a bunch of like, you know, product schematics for future Apple products, and we're just leaking them out one by one, demanding a fifty million dollar ransom. Uh, it looks like it's it wasn't a ransomware attack in the traditional sense, in that you know there was no uh, no data was encrypted, and uh, the company was still able because the company that that was actually hacked is actually a. Uh, a company that Apple contracts with called uh, Quanta. And so uh, it seems like they were still able to like stay up and running. And I guess they just never, they never paid the ransom. So it was a uh, slightly less successful than uh, the JBS thing. Hmm. Well, it seems like Revil uh, knows how to write some ransomware, does not know how to uh, name companies or groups. This is uh <laughs> This is not a great name, I would say. Please don't hack me. But uh, 
Apparently, Revil stands for ransomware evil. Well, I mean, that's not what more could you want? Uh, you could want a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what Sodino Kibi means? Uh, that I cannot tell you. That is a that is a good question. It's probably really clever. Maybe even dare I say as clever as ransomware evil. <laughs> <laughs> well, in happier in happier news, Stack Overflow. Is this happy news actually? Hold on. Uh, that's a good question. Stack I Overflow mean... has been sold for one point eight billion dollars. I was gonna say it's good news because. Uh, Stack Overflow is cool, and the people who worked on it probably deserve to make some money off of it. Mm-hmm. And this uh, this company that uh, purchased it seems to be a relatively reasonable company with the promise of not making major changes, which is, uh, as we've previously mentioned, always a risky sentiment to hold. But this one yeah. the, the company the company's past behavior seems to be fairly reasonable yeah i think so it i'd never heard of this company and it turns out that's it, it's just gigantic uh prosis um, an investment and holding company that's like one of the largest kind of tech slash investment companies in europe uh which mostly got huge based on uh the relationships here get a little fuzzy prosis is owned by uh another company that is even bigger. Uh, that one is called Naspers. And uh, that parent company, Naspers, got huge because they invested in Tencent super early on. They put in a $32 million investment into Tencent in 2001, which is now worth $200 billion. So that's a uh, 6,000x return. That is a sizable return. Yeah, which is absolutely insane. And so I don't, I don't really know how the financials work, like relating Prozis and Naspers. But uh, I guess uh, just a month ago, Prozis sold a fraction of that stake in Tencent. So they had 15 billion bucks to play with. And then this is kind of their first major acquisition uh, with that, which is uh, going for Stack Overflow. I think it is the first, well, because they are an investment and holding company, um, I think they usually don't don't interfere. Um, I read the blog post by Joel Spolsky, uh, where he announces announces this, yes, uh, and so he he kind of like addresses that like very early on in the blog post, uh, and then then he goes on the blog post kind of like morphs into being an advertisement for his new thing, his new uh, company called Hash Hash AI, which is uh, well, it seems interesting. He he describes it. It's like a way of, uh, I guess. It, the tagline is build multi-agent multi-agent simulations in minutes and there's all these like i don't know little simulated diagrams and like little minecraft factory like simulations and stuff uh on their website and uh you know i'm actually be, pretty excited about that yeah i think the the simulation the world of simulations and like agent driven simulations is actually super cool mm-hmm. and how many things can be modeled obviously it's all modeling <laughs> but, but it can be used for lots of cool things that uh currently is not they're like real world simulations like this 
are not easy to to make or play with so i'm i did not i didn't click on his uh on the link here until just now but i'm i'm actually pretty excited about this yeah it's a whole kind of subcategory of the whole uh i guess uh future of work or uh kind of like brett victory like you know future of com- of computation kind of stuff uh mm-hmm. you know it's like the drop you know stop drawing dead fish uh talk and uh this could be kind of a uh, one of the first you know commercially successful uh implementations of, of something like that yeah it's also actually very small talky and uh the simulation stuff that they were doing with with small talk it seems mm-hmm. very related as well Mm-hmm. That's cool. I'm excited about that. Yeah, agreed. Uh, speaking of acquisitions, there was also an acquisition. Uh, Etsy purchased a clothing reseller called Depop. Have you, have you heard of Depop? Never heard of Depop. Yeah, me either. I was looking into what it is, and it's just like this super Gen Z focused, like, fashion marketplace app where people can just like sell their old stuff and uh it's depop.com the thing that really jumped out at me is that the entire app is just like a truly shameless ripoff of instagram or like you know the entire like visual design of it is just like exactly instagram interesting like uh down to like uh, i don't know the nav bar at the bottom and the fact that there's like square you post square images of everything and it just looks like exactly identical the kind of yeah. like three wow. photo wide grid. Uh, I know. So I guess uh, is an insane stat is that 90% of Depop users are under the age of 26. So somehow they've just really carved out this niche for like all these Gen Z people looking to buy like vintage retro streetwear stuff. Um, and uh, they got bought for, let's see, one point something billion by Etsy, uh, which my main thought there was that I'm surprised that Etsy uh, is like big enough to be able to just like be throwing down billions of dollars, uh, you know, buying like for an acquisition like this. Um, yeah. So I was especially because they were strug- struggling not too not too recently. Yeah, that's right. And their stock price is currently, well, yeah, it looks like they've they really had a big uh, a big surge like almost immediately once COVID hit. Interesting. Mm. They that were at sense. their stock price was at like thirty one in March twenty March twenty twenty, and now it's like two fifteen, or well, it it hit a, a high of two uh, two fifteen. Now it's a bit lower, but market cap of twenty one billion dollars. I would not have guessed that uh, Etsy was even in that ball ballpark. Yeah, wow, that's like what uh, a third of Airbnb, <laughs> something like that, or maybe a quarter. Um, good for Etsy. Yeah. Well, there was some Twitter research out discussing the mass scale manipulation of Twitter trends. And one of the examples is that in Turkey, half of all Twitter trends are fake (laughs) and are just totally bot driven, uh, like phishing scams and promotional stuff. Uh, purely like targeting the Twitter trends as a way to to drive traffic towards towards whatever some company wants. Okay. I'm glad you said whatever because 
I was like, I opened this article and I was looking for just one thing, which is a single example of one of these manufactured Twitter trends. Because how on on earth would it, this not be profoundly obvious? Like, I get there's some game theory thing. Some company like cracks the Twitter algorithm and they need to like, you know, mix in a bunch of hashtags that are, I guess, believable so that no one catches on to them. But like, surely... The first time they try to do anything remotely self-promotional, people will be like, why on earth is buy Bitcoin or, well, okay, that one wouldn't actually be trying to, you know, <laughs> like, whatever, you know, they're, like, trying to, like, publicize their new sneaker brand or whatever. And, like, there's all these, like, you know, something that just would not, like, be trending organically. I feel like there's just, you know, there's no way to, like, really benefit from this without, like, showing your hand. Yeah, I guess I guess they just must be using more subliminal messaging. There's I guess the example that they have in this uh, in in the summary of the research paper here is that one of the manipulated hashtags translates to Syrians get out, and then the fact that that was trending was picked up by news reports, and now there's a whole conversation about Syrians in in Turkey. So, yeah, it's hard It's hard to know where the motivation from that comes, but... So these companies managed to crack the Twitter algorithm, and their immediate instinct was to stir up geopolitical conflict. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Good for them. That is, that is truly bizarre. Yeah, pretty weird. Maybe they're, uh, they're trying to, I don't know, they're shorting Turkey as a country, trying to, like, start some civil wars or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a disaster. Good luck to Twitter on dealing with that issue because uh it seems like a hard problem. Perhaps <laughs> removing their algorithmic timelines and trends and doing something and this is just spitballing here, like a reverse chronological list of tweets from people that you follow mm, might no, be a way to avoid fly. these types of things. I don't know. Why would you do that? when you could just have a totally opaque algorithm decide what you want to see. I don't think there's anything that could possibly go wrong with the whole <laughs> algorithmic feed. Uh, another thing that I thought you were probably interested in is the uh, controlled substances decriminalization of certain hallucinogens in California. The bill was just introduced. Sounds pretty interesting. This is uh, on the trend of Lots of psychedelics being used, like uh, becoming more mainstream for decriminalization and use for like mental health. Mm -hmm. uh, it's exciting to see. In fact, there's even a there's a YC company I heard about that's building an EHR, like a medical software specifically for, uh, you know, psychotherapists who like make use of these you know sort of hallucinogenics or not hallucinogenics. Yeah, okay, hallucinogenics. Um, because, you know, there's all this regulation surrounding, like, how you have to document the dosages uh, and the kind of, like, uh, hallucinogenic events. Uh, mm. and, you know, you, you really need to, like, have a full paper trail for it. So they were building, like, dedicated software specifically for uh, this kind of growing market of, uh, uh, yeah, hallucinogen-based ther uh, therapeutics, which is pretty interesting. Wow, that is interesting. Feels like it would be hard to get the timing right on when to make that company and when people can actually start doing this legally but yeah 
that is cool that people are making the infrastructure for it. Yeah, you just got to build the software and then put it out there in the world and then uh, just try to stay alive long enough for the industry to, you know, emerge.